Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just a note about the Washington football team. It seems their name is going to be changed to move away from the Redskins and that it's sort of a TBD situation. All the reports and sources I used for this episode did call it their former name of the Redskins. Welcome to Criminality Podcast, the podcast we started because loving reality TV isn't a crime. Melissa, hi. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I'm great. It's been a weird day. I think yeah. for both of us, different reasons. Yeah. Uh, Instagram was down all day. That was revealing a lot about how I spend my time. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> Still down. Checked one more time. Yep. Still not there. It was weird. It really did expose that I might have a small problem. Yeah. So yeah, it's up though. It's back. Oh, good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Well, and I told you today, I actually took Instagram off my phone because I was just having one of those days where I just didn't need all the Instagramness, and I might have taken it down. I think I could have contributed to Instagram going down. They're like, this, Melissa's not here anymore. Yeah. The, Shut what's it down. the point? What's the point? <laughs> this is not unrelated. Um, I think it's so interesting, actually, that you had to go through the pain of taking it down on a day when literally it was taken from everybody, though, kind of. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Wash, but um, I could have really powered through and dealt with my emotions like an adult <laughs> instead of being like, not doing this today. Delete. <laughs> no, I think that's that's really wise. That's a good self-care practice. I support it. And I'm so glad it's back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, what else is going on? I feel like we have news, not so much news, but reminders. We are on YouTube. So if you want to watch us talk and tell our stories, you can do that on our channel, which is criminality show. And we also just got a nice little batch of new reviews from listeners, which was so nice. They were so great. So thank you to everybody who did that. Melissa will be sending you some stickers Yay. Um, and we just really appreciate that. We always love to hear that you guys are enjoying the show and we welcome ideas for, for topics. Please, please. I think we would both. We have our ideas and I swear I haven't picked one off of the list that we have going. Well, it's funny. We started a, a joint list, but we like surprising each other. So I actually don't put my like ideas up there anymore. Same. Um, but I could always use ideas because sometimes, you know, there, it's endless. The truth is yeah. there's an endless amount of content we could explore, but I um, would love to hear what people want to hear. For That's sure. That's good. <laughs> For a <podcast>. No. <laughs> Whatever you say, we're going to do the opposite. Um, that's kind of how yeah. we do things here. Yeah, I'm very right. excited about your story this week. Um, I know what your story is this week. So you do. But I'm still excited. I well, love good. the story. I mean, there's fireworks behind me. If that doesn't help you get pumped, I don't know what else I could do. You and Katy um, Perry, man. Exactly. 
So yeah, this is going to be a good one. I personally just love the city of Washington, D.C., and that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. Actually, I think the whole time. Um, have you ever been to Washington, D.C.? I know you're from Florida, so have you ever made it up here? I like the way you asked that. I have been to Washington, D.C. Uh, two times. One time I won a trip to Washington, D.C. when I was a senior in high school. That's so cool. With the uh, rural electricity company somehow they like literally had a contest and my school I had like 20 people in my class they nominated me because I was like the only loser that would be really excited (laughs) about it and I had to answer questions and the last question was who would you want to have dinner with and the lady across I said Jesus and then the lady across from me had red hair and I said Julia Roberts and I got a trip to Washington DC wait wait That's amazing. That's truly Um, the story. I don't even think there's any more details, but go ahead. But were you the only student? Did you travel with like a company? Oh, yeah. I went with all the. You're thinking of the electric company. This sounds actually like a scam. (laughs) No, this was like different people from rural areas got chosen to represent. So I won for my county. Got it. And I. There was like two other people that were there for my county. Okay, I'll allow it. I was going to need a word with your parents. No. <laughs> but it was so cool. We got to do so much stuff. I, I got to see a John Ritter play um, before he passed. You mentioned the that. Center. That's right. Oh, my gosh. That came yeah. up last episode, I think. Yeah, it was incredible. So it was one yeah. of the best trips of my life. Very little supervision. Should have had <laughs> way more. But I loved it. It was great. Good, good. And I only asked, have you been there? Because I don't Sorry. want to assume. Like, I'm in, I'm from the tri-state area, so I grow up going to D.C. almost every year on a school trip. It's it's drivable. Oh, yeah. So I don't want to take for granted that people <laughs> live in Idaho and California and Guam or whatever. And, like, maybe they haven't gotten to go. You simply asked if I went, and I went on a three-minute <laughs> conversation about, yeah, no, about I wanted lack to- of school supervision and rural electricity companies. I just- Yeah, and that was more than I bargained for, and I loved every second of it. So good. So you can imagine the city, right? You can picture it. It's just such a beautiful city. I just have to say, like, I I really, really like it. Love where my daughter ended up in college, but she looked at a lot of schools there, and I would, I would have loved it if she'd gone there too. Yeah. So okay, let's let's get into it, Melissa. I'm gonna read an email to you because that's always riveting (laughs) audio (laughs) content. It would have been with Instagram and Facebook down. That's true. I'm sure actual ideas were born into the world today because people (laughs) weren't looking at Instagram at work. I'm gonna read an email to you. This email is an actual copy of one that was sent by the special assistant to the Secretary of Defense at the White House. I will read it verbatim. Then gonna ask you some follow up questions. Sure. Good morning. The arrival ceremony, which was scheduled to be outdoors, was canceled due to inclement weather. They're having a very small one inside the White House with very limited space. I'm still working on tickets for tonight's dinner. I will call or email as soon as I get word one way or another. Michelle. So, Melissa, if you got this email, how would you interpret it? What would you do? I would think if there was going to be a ticket available for me that I would hear from this lady later. And if I don't hear from her, there isn't a ticket available for me, but they just she just didn't have time to write me. I assume I'm not invited anywhere, so it's easy for me. So you can like kind of like lean into that assumption from the get-go. So you wouldn't Absolutely. just show up and hope for the best. No, 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 no. Literally never. I might not okay. even show up if I was invited. Yeah. 
I mean, not a bad play given it's the White House. So to give a little more context, this email was addressed to a Mr. Tarek Salahi, and it was the last correspondence he received, which came in at 8.46 a.m. on November 24th, 2009, the night that he and his wife, Mikhail, would infamously, brazenly crash a state dinner at the White House. I assume you've heard this little event that happened in our country. I'm aware. I'm You're aware. aware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it was everywhere. I mean, we all got to watch it play out on the one hit wonder Bravo's uh, Real Housewives of DC. But even prior to that, it was all over right. the news. Um, have you ever crashed a party? Oh my I'm gosh, guessing no. no. Yeah. No. Have you ever crashed a party? I actually have. I was thinking about this when writing this and I was shocked to remember I have probably, it's probably the most adventurous slash rebellious thing I did in high school. Sorry, mom, (gasps) if you're listening, but uh, I grew up in a college town and somebody found out that you could enter into one of the buildings where they had parties. So they didn't have sororities. They called them eating clubs because it was like kind of bougie and you could go up a fire escape in the back into one of the eating clubs, go into a bathroom and then just emerge into the party as if you belong to So me and some friends did that once and I've, I think I've blocked out everything else that happened because I definitely wasn't the ringleader. I'm not sure. I'm not really trying to like, I really wasn't. I was just like, yeah, I'll totally go. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) shaking up the fire escape. I think we just promptly left because I think we thought we would fit in. We did not. We were very young and like we didn't belong there. So we just Exited out the regular door through the party, but um, I guess I technically crashed a party once. Whoa, that's quite a, a thing to do. Yeah, I would I would not have been the ringleader ever, um, and I would have wanted to go along with it, but I don't know if I would have, like, faked something real quick. Like, I don't know. just uh, like Melissa just drops and she faints. Slays <laughs> on the ground. You guys go ahead of me. Do it for me. I, yeah. <laughs> I'll be here a few minutes. Yeah, I, I'm really kind of amazed that I went through with it, but um, I don't think either of us would have the you-know-whats to pull off what Tarek and Mikhail did. I mean, we couldn't even keep up with the bling ring. I mean, definitely not keep up with the bling ring. Like, we've established this. We are not right. the people to do this. So I know everybody knows that this happened, but I'm hoping today's story will fill in some gaps and help us understand kind of the why and how of it all. So we've come to know Tarek and Michelle as these gate crashers, but the stunt that they pulled happened while they were just filming as hopefuls for Bravo's one season of The Real Housewives of DC. Mikhail was not yet confirmed. She was being followed by the crew to get footage as part of the audition process. So they were not sure she would be a housewife. Oh. Now they haven't admitted this, but I feel like after that whole thing, they needed her to be on the cast because it was the entire storyline, almost the entire storyline. Right. So let's take a minute and talk about The Real Housewives of DC. One season, uh, 2010. Did you watch it? And what were your thoughts? I did watch it. So we're still in the early aughts of Real Housewives then. Editing has come so far. Oh, my gosh. The people that are on there have come so far. It's about the drama, the fun, wacky drama. It was very boring, very not a lot going on. You thought it would be exciting because it was in Washington, D.C., but the people that were on it were just the Mikhail was the most exciting one, and she was the only one anyone actually watched for, I I agree. If she hadn't been on and if what happened hadn't have happened, I think, I don't even know if they would have, like, gotten past the pilot. It was just, it was not great. Um, I also just want to say that I've never seen such poorly delivered taglines. I sent you something. Could you just 
take a second to play those and we will play it as well for our listeners. I would love to. I don't make money, I spend money. I give people enough rope to hang themselves and the smart people don't. DC is my town and I thrive in it. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. People have a hard time saying no to me, and that's just been my blessing. Were they all, like, lit when they recorded this? Because they're all just... They're mumbling. I, yeah. I feel like, did nobody coach them on how to give your tagline? With the exception of Stacy, I can barely understand any of them. Yeah. And oh. they're also just not well-written or good, but then their delivery sucks. So... That just set the tone for the season. So, okay, so we're not fans of the season. Right. I, I will say I did enjoy Stacy. I think yeah. she anchored the show. Um, but, yeah, it, I guess there was just nowhere for that season. No. To, there was nowhere for a season two to go. Mm-mm. So we meet Mikhail and Tarek, and they are this kind of wannabe socialite power couple. Do they give you um, Alex and Simon vibes a little oh bit? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like right? who they know, what events they're going to, which designers and stylists, like they want to know, except it's DC version. So it's which generals and chairmen right. of the board and all of that. You know, it's so interesting to me because I always think New York City, people are after wealth. LA, everyone's after fame. And in DC, it's power. And huh. that show to me... The cool, the cool thing about it, I think it really did epitomize that. Like they all were about who works the closest to the highest level right. officials. Like their yeah. homes were fairly modest, but Kat's husband was the photographer for the president. Like yeah, yeah, very prestigious, but kind of also really a normal existence. So yeah, yeah, that part of it I did find interesting. But Mikhail and Tarek were just hobnobbing all the time, and just they seemed desperate to be part of the scene in D.C. So who were the Salahis? Tarek is born and raised in Virginia. He's the son of two immigrants. His dad was from Israel and his mom, Belgium. His dad was a geo- an oil geologist in the Middle East, and he actually didn't come to Virginia until the 1970s. And that's oh, when, wow. I know, he was retired when he got here. Now, his wife was like 20 years younger than him, Tarek's mom. And so she opened up a Montessori school in Alexandria, Virginia, and Tarek's father opened up this winery called Oasis. And his vision was, this will be my retirement work, and someday right. it'll be Tarek's. It'll be this family business, and it'll be my legacy, and it'll be my son's. And so he opened that in 1977. As I said, it's called Oasis. It was only the state's fifth winery, which actually isn't surprising, because I didn't even think Virginia could have wines, because it's so warm and in the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But New Jersey has vineyards, so, like, I guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> things, are, things are possible. And it did fairly well. Tarek grew up playing polo and was a competitive player on the U.S. team in his high school years. And he really did take to the family business. And I will give him credit for this and possibly just this. He studied onology, O-E-N-O-L-O-G-Y, which is wine studying, uh-huh. at UC Davis and became a certified vintner which is a word. Uh, I've heard of sommeliers. I've not yet ever right. said vintner. Sorry, it keeps saying it so slowly. But No, it's, no, no. I really am enjoying NTN. it. It's the NTN. That's really hard. 
So he caught on to the vision. He did want to be part of the family business, and he had the the business background. He had the the chops, the wine chops, if you will. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like that though. So um, the vineyard did well. Some years it profited a million dollars. And it was the recipient of many awards, including their 1999 champagne, which was included on the top 10 best champagne and sparkling wines list by Wine Enthusiast magazine. Through his work on the vineyard, Tark became part of the Virginia Board of Tourism. He sat on other boards and established a polo club at the winery so he could host polo events and get back into the sport he loved. And that will be important later. So I wouldn't say they were Washington, D.C. elites, but they were a successful Right. prominent D.C. area family. Um, I think he went to private schools. Again, polo isn't the kind of sport you can just, you need more than just like a soccer ball. Like it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of a big deal, like access to horses. So his parents were up there in age though. And his mom, even though she was younger, was getting sick and was letting Tark take more control of the business. And this would end up having disastrous consequences for Oasis. Tark decided that what the business needed was another arm to the business that he would call Oasis Enterprises, which was just an expansion of the winery and included wine tours and large scale events and catering. And I really sound like I'm a a Tarek fan or Stan, but I I think this is a decent idea. I mean, it seems like a natural way to scale a winery. Like, let's have events here. Let's do tours. Like, that seems like why not bring in revenue when you're not just making money on wine? The problem was... He stopped paying all the bills for the winery and used the money to get Oasis Enterprises off the ground. And so the debts were accumulating, vendors were after them, and actually the whole estate kind of deteriorated. I get the sense he didn't um, keep it well and he didn't pay people to keep it well. So the whole place is, is basically falling apart. So his mother, Corrine, she's quoted in a Washington Post article. I mean, this was actually big news in the D.C. area. She said to the Washington Post, I was hoping he would learn the ropes and gradually take over, not create more work for me and his father. Which is just sad because she's now stressing about what's going to happen. So they decide that they need to sell the winery because they need to do this before he drives it completely into the ground and they don't even have it as an asset to sell. She's also gotten um, heart issues, which she says are a direct cause of the stress caused by Tarek and the business. So they try to sell it and they come close, but the deals keep falling through. The parents blame Tarek's accumulation of debt as the reason the sales keep coming through. I mean, buyers look into the financials and they're like, this is not good. Um, One prospective buyer, this is really random, was Shaquille O'Neal. Sure. Why not? Because <laughs> why wouldn't, I mean, a Virginia vineyard, it just fits. Yeah. <laughs> and he and his partners backed out when they found out that they couldn't obtain the Oasis trademark. Then another serious prospect was actually Tarek's best friend, Andrew, who said, why don't I buy it, lease it back to you, and we'll get this up and running again. Right. He looked into it, and he's quoted in that same article, and he said, when I looked at the disarray of the property and vines, looked at the finances, I said, Tarek, you can't make this work. You couldn't pay the rent. You'd be defaulting to me, and then we wouldn't be friends. Ooh. I actually respect Andrew. Yeah. He is also the guy who introduced Tarek to Mikhail at a baby shower in the year 2000, which we will get to. But before that, before we get to that, his mom filed a lawsuit against him. And that's just always sad when a family member 
We've seen it happen before, oh, yeah. but, um, you know, a lawsuit against him. And they alleged that their son interfered with the winery sale and falsely advertised on the internet, that was that was the verbiage, like that Oasis that. was closed. I guess he was saying it's closed, but Oasis Enterprises open, and people were getting these confusing messages, and it was, oh. it was impeding the sale. They also threatened to evict Tarek and his wife, Mikhail, who were staying in an apartment on the property. So they were together oh. during this. And that comes up on the show, how Mikhail's like sticking by him through this very difficult, right. challenging familial relationship. So let's talk about her for a second. We don't know as much about her backstory as we do Tarek, but we do know she's also a Virginia native. She attended college in Pennsylvania, didn't finish, uh, but moved back to the D.C. area in 1989. Now, this is unverifiable. <laughs> I'm sure you love when I say that. You probably get very nervous, but I just feel like maybe Mikhail's name is Michelle. She seems like the kind of person who would decide it's Mikhail when she like moves to a new city. You mean very like uh, Baldwin-esque? What's her name? Um, um, the daughter or the wife? The wife. Yes. Uh, Hilaria. Hilaria. Yeah. Hilaria. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, that's what it, I, I would totally agree with you because it's a little pizzazz. Right? In it's a name. little pizzazz because she was born in 1965. Her siblings are Debbie and Glenn. No, you no, no. Rosemary and Howard had a kid and we're like, we'll name her Mikhail. They'll be Debbie and Glenn. No, it's Michelle, right? Okay. 100%. I think we can all agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Look, I grew up being called Becca and when I moved to college, I did start using my formal name of Rebecca. So I kind of understand the idea, but that is my given name. So, right. So we, are... <laughs> <laughs> right? wait for you or yeah. for her. Yeah, absolutely. I can't see you as a Becca. I, I definitely I can't see you for... as a Becky. Oh, I was never a Becky and love you Beckys. Any that are listening. Great. You have the good but... hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Mikhail comes to D.C. in 1989, where she works at the front desk of a radio station, and then she works retail selling makeup at Nordstrom for much of the 90s, which the women on The Real Housewives of D.C. will never let you or never. anyone forget. Mikhail said she was a makeup artist. The women say she sold it at the counter. This will just be one of several discrepancies and convoluted, messy, right. non-truths around Mikhail and Tarek. Mikhail also claimed to be a model and former Redskins cheerleader. But according to the American Football Database and several other sources, nobody can or will corroborate this. She is Really? No one. She's not on any list anywhere. People have gone to coaches, the cheer coach, the <laughs> alumni directors. Her name doesn't exist. Not her maiden name. Nowhere. Now, Andy asks her directly about this on the reunion. And we get into like a five minute story about how she was invited to be on the alumni team, but she was never a Redskin cheerleader. Right. So she answered differently to the same question, are you or were you a cheerleader? At one point she says, yes, because I'm part of the alumni association. And then she said, well, no, I was never a cheerleader, but I'm part of the alumni. So for the last nine years, I've been told to say I was. Somebody's out there <laughs> telling her. So help me, Mikhail, if you do one more interview and don't mention your background. <laughs> a forcible cheerleading crime. Don't you like, hate when people force you to say you're It's you so hard because I have the body of a cheerleader. So everyone's always like, Rebecca, just just tell them you're a cheerleader. You they look, look at so me and they're peppy. like, you're a base. <laughs> you're a total base. 
Yeah, no, I was never a cheerleader, nor has anyone ever mistaken me for a cheerleader. (laughs) Never Um, come up for me either. I'm like, yeah, not happening. So, so just that's like innocuous. It's not that big a deal, but it is like, why are you lying about this? And it comes up on the show because there's a scene with her attending a Washington Redskins alumni event where she's holding pom-poms with the women and hugging them like they're long lost best friends. And I swear to you, they look so confused. And now it's, we know it's because she was not their cheer. But nobody's going to say anything. You would never, if if you were in that situation and somebody hugged you, you would just go along with it, right? Because there's you would no, just go along you're with remembering it. it wrong. There's no way somebody of would course. do this. And there's a camera crew filming oh, 100%. it. Oh, 100%. So you're just I'd like, everybody. hey, girl. Like, <laughs> so I will say this was the moment that made the twenty four ninety nine. I coughed up to watch this whole season completely worth it. I might have to post this scene um, on Instagram. Yes, yes, yes. And also, she doesn't know any of the routines. And this wasn't just like a, oh, I'm in my 40s, I'm a little rusty kind of thing. It was like, she did not have rhythm. She went up when they went down. Like, it was... I want to see that. I missed that. I don't great. remember that. It was great. Um, okay, so that happens. And you're, again, not a big deal. But perhaps, I mean, if she's brazen enough to just join a football team at this it was a big <laughs> event. Right. I mean, maybe she was just practicing for crashing the White House. So let's talk about how they met. They met at this baby shower that I mentioned through this mutual friend, Andrew, and they fell in love very quickly. They were married in 2003. The original date for the wedding was 2002. It was postponed several times, much to the chagrin of their guests. They had 1,836 guests. So I have a feeling that it was like schedule conflicts that they kept postponing it because there were... Guests like Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy, former U.S. Ambassador to Ireland, Margaret Heckler, other important D.C. people I've never heard of. Sure. And just 1,800 people. They also released doves when they walked out, which I know people do, and it's a thing. It's just like a lot. It's just... (laughs) Honestly, though, if I'm at a wedding with 1,835 people and you don't throw doves out... What's the point of this entire thing? No, no. 1,800 people. We deserve a spectacle. I want to see a unicorn. Or like, I want to see a nip slip. I want to see it all. A, a, <laughs> a white tiger, something. Whatever. Get those at the zoo. Come on. <laughs> so when we meet the Salahis on the show, the Oasis Winery is in dire straits. Will they sell it? Will they go bankrupt? They're trying to present it that it's on the up and up, and they're even trying to film scenes there that are just horrible and even then i know it was early days for bravo but even then the shade was real because they just show close-ups of like rotting leaves and it's dry (laughs) and crunchy and like you would not want to drink a wine that came from this vineyard tark's father uh has passed away at this point and his relationship with his mom is beyond tense they're actually in a very like kind of semi-estranged place they only speak through lawyers and lawsuits and she calls police and security on them in the middle of filming while they're on the property because she doesn't believe they have the right to be there. It is a big mess. But the whole arc of the show is just a lead up to this couple crashing the White House. And I mean, it is quite a storyline. So I remember having this moment while I was researching this and it reminded me of when I was doing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire UK? And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, Did they maybe not do it? Was this maybe a case of we all got it wrong and the media being so powerful in pushing a narrative? And so I had this like really short moment where I was like, oh my gosh, what if they didn't? What if I uncover? (laughs) 
for the first time ever, you know, that they actually were on a list or they were invited. And uh, that was very short lived. So I'm going to get into the mechanics of how that event happened, because I think the why is very much already answered. These were people who were desperate to be seen at these kinds of events. And even among the cast, I think they wanted to be the ones that got invited to that. This is not an easy event to get invited to. We'll learn more about what this state dinner is. So I read that email at the beginning of the episode to you, Melissa, and it proves that there was correspondence with the office of the social secretary. And so I was trying to figure out how they took these communications because I read the whole paper trail and I'll put it in the show notes. ABC News has like the PDF attachment of them, which was so helpful. But they fabricated it into this driving narrative on the show, which was that they were invited. They had personal and professional connections to President Obama and that they had a physical invitation, an email invitation, and they were absolutely on the list. They repeatedly claimed this was all true. So let's first tackle the question of whether or not they knew President Obama. It is verified that the couple attended a 2008 Rock the Vote event in D.C. and posed for a photo with then-Senator Obama and the Black Eyed Peas. Saw the photo, verifiable. To turn this into we know Obama and do business with him... Is just, it's laughable. It's almost, it's actually sad. It's, yeah. you know. Well, anytime anyone posts a photo with somebody like, oh, this person knew this person. It's like, well, they probably take a million photos with people. There's no way you can be, you will know all the people you've taken a photo with. So I never, I don't ever give much credence to those kind of connections in anything whenever it's this person and this person. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they've technically been at the same event as him is is just literally all that proves. So first red flag. The next red flag for me is in addition to this whole Redskins cheerleader stunt, which we already discussed, is the fact that just two months prior to crashing the White House state dinner, they crashed the Black Caucus dinner, which didn't get nearly as much press, but we see it happen on the show. So at this event, they said they had tickets from their lawyer, Paul Gardner, who is the managing partner for Gardner Law Firm. Uh, also, he has since been disbarred. I looked him up. Hmm. He had overbilled clients, misused money that was used as a retainer. So big, big no-nos. They were denied entry to the party. And when their names didn't appear on the guest list, they were like, oh, well, no problem. And they just found a side entrance where the service staff were going in and out and they waltzed right in. They also had Mikhail's hairstylist, Ted Gibson. He's a featured player on the season. He was mm-hmm. actually like a very well-known stylist, Ted Gibson. I think he even has like hair products. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Um, and he tells this whole insane story on one of the episodes of the show. But just imagine, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe the audacity of this, especially because it's, it's kind of a sacred event. It's this right. subset of Congress members who are black to protect and preserve the rights of black Americans. Right. And this I know. And this is the one waltzes in like they belong there. I'm just, I'm, I'm floored. I'm, I can't believe honestly that that didn't make more um, waves than it did. But again, I don't think it was at the white house. So, you know, anyway, the audacity, the audacity, (laughs) the audacity, So now we know a little more about them and we know what they're capable of and how they're perceived. And to me, the pattern I'm seeing is they don't take no for an answer. They just don't seem like the kind of people who can hear that word. Yeah, they don't even understand the word. They don't even understand it. And it's like they just keep bulldozing with their agenda until they get what they want. 
So we're back to the night of November 24th, 2009. You remember the email, and as I said, that last one came in from Ms. Michelle Jones, Special Assistant to the Secretary of Defense, White House Liaison. But there were other emails. There were a ton of them, and essentially all of them, this poor woman, Michelle, is politely saying, essentially, I'll do everything I can, no promises, it's not looking good. Right. And Tarek just keeps responding as if he didn't read what was in the email. His emails say things like, we're so excited. Where should we be and when? It will be our honor to attend. It's so embarrassing. And what's not clear is how the correspondence started because the trail of emails that I found go, they begin Friday, November 20th. So somehow they got into the radar of going. I don't know if that happened on the phone or through a connection. I have no idea. So that, that where this all like began, I don't know. But yeah. the email trail starts that Friday before. I would have thought this started months before. Don't ask me why, because things are, it's political and it was a different president before that. So, I mean, that doesn't even really make sense. But for it to all be No, no, I think moving, you're absolutely right. I think this was like a desperate last minute ploy to get in. And okay. he was probably calling in favors because the other thing he does, I, I'm going to mention this later, but I'm going to tell you now, he... He goes so far as to email her a list of four couples, their first and last names, that he knows for a fact can't attend, which frees up eight seats. It's so tacky and desperate because it's like he's like away for Thanksgiving. Wife is sick. You know, he lists out all these things. He also makes mention that he's hosting the India versus USA Polo Championship the following summer, implying, I think, that this should qualify him to attend because the state dinner, as you know, or maybe you don't know, I refreshed my memory that it's always held in honor of a a world leader or dignitary. And this year's guest of honor was India's prime minister, Dr. Manmohan Singh. So he felt he should be there because his polo work is like doing amazing things for India, USA relations. Polio or polo? Polo. Okay. Did I say polio? No, you said polo, but he's (laughs) acting like it was polio. Exactly. Yeah. Talk about like self-importance and inflation of of ego. So for whatever reason, they're connected enough to be emailing. And I don't really know why she was so nice and not more firm. I want to be like, Michelle, tell him no. Yeah. (laughs) So kind. So here comes the day of the event. Michaela's having her hair and makeup done and she's telling everyone where they're going. Well, first she says it's confidential. It's very important. It's confidential. And she has this way of speaking that I have to say is very... I don't want to say compelling, but it does kind of grab you. Like she has a voice that you listen to. She speaks authoritatively. There is something elegant about her and she looks kind of like a Barbie doll, but she sounds more polished than that. So Mm -hmm. she's kind of captivating. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that away from Mikhail. So she's talking about, yeah, (laughs) she's saying confidential. Okay, fine. It's the White House state dinner. And and in DC, that's such a big deal. It's like going to the Tonys in New York or something. I don't know. Bad example. Maybe it's not a bad example. What about Watch What Happens Live? Yes. The coveted inner circle. Um, so you don't know what emails I sent to get that. To get, <laughs> I saw to one get of them that you sent. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know for a fact. No. <laughs> so this hairstylist is like, oh, my gosh, I would love to see the invitation. Could I see the invitation? And Mikhail's like, sure, sure, sure. I'll get it in the car when we're done. And lo and behold, it's not in the car. Tarek and Mikhail fret about this briefly, but they're like, well, we have the emails to back it up and we're on the list. So I don't think you actually have to bring an invitation to the party, which I would imagine actually is true. I don't think it's probably very like 
nice card stock, really big. But she gets out of showing it to this woman, gets in her car, and off they go. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. She also brags that she called the social secretary to confirm that it would be okay for her to wear a sari, a traditional Indian sari, which is beautiful. It's red and gold with her blonde hair. She looked stunning. Tarek is wearing a tux. That's all I can can muster up on that one. And on the limo ride to the state dinner... Tarek asks what what she's most looking forward to. And Mikhail says to see what everyone's wearing. And then, quote, knowing President Obama and Michelle, they'll have a great diverse crowd. I mean, okay, sorry for anyone listening. That was an eye roll. I don't think that was audible, but it felt like it was flittering in the back of my head for a while. I feel like I felt it over here. Yeah, knowing like, oh, you know, Barack. Yeah. And Michelle. I mean, she's no Mikhail, but yeah. pretty cool chick. Like, I can't with this woman at this point. And I have to say, I started this, and I think I texted you when I was watching the show back. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't think she's dreadful. I think she really desperately wanted to fit in with those women. I think she has, like, a lot of purity in her. Mm-hmm. Tarek, I don't. No. Tarek, I think, is, like, a greedy, yeah, not nice guy. Mikhail, I think, is um, well-intentioned and got caught up. I, I really do think that. Yeah. But this little moment, I was like, oh, The whole limo ride just, like, was upsetting to me. It was very – and they were just so all over each other and – Oh, It was just a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. But but actually, if you watch it closely and just watch him, he gets increasingly red. Hmm. He's sweaty. I think he was nervous because – they were fully not invited. Like, right. Spoiler alert, everybody. I uncovered the truth. They were not invited. So he's like, I don't know what's about to happen. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know if she knew that. So she might have just been like, here we come. Yeah. And he might have been like, I really hope we can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have some explaining to do. So, so they're in the car and they pull up. There's two ways to enter. There's an automobile entrance. Wait, a what? It's the White House. So I said automobile. And there's a pedestrian entrance. So they go to the gate and they're told that the car is not approved to go through. We don't really hear why. I assume these vehicles have to be pre-registered, license plate, everything. So this first level of security actually works. They are turned away. No problem. They just hop out of the car and walk over to the pedestrian entrance and get in line. Like that's always what was supposed to happen. This is the part of the night where I think you and I would be like, you know what? Let's go find an Applebee's, yeah. <laughs> get some Diet Coke, get some Maybe apps play and Bravo for us. and yeah, yes. <laughs> enjoy the night. So they glide into the pedestrian line and approach the first checkpoint where a woman with a clipboard says she doesn't see them on the list, asks for their names one more time. There's a little confusion. And now this is being filmed, but the Bravo crew obviously is not on the list. They can't get too close. So we don't know exactly what's happening. It's close, but not like right there. Right. The woman says you know what, go ahead. It hasn't even started yet. You're not missing anything. Go ahead and we'll figure it out. So this really is the moment the big mistake was made. I mean, this woman just should never have done that, but they looked the part. And I think that's the part of the story that 
is the most frustrating because that should just not matter. Yeah. He was in a tux. She was in a but sorry. They obviously. Yeah, they a lot of they put a lot of work into that, but they're just like kind of very fine with it. Like she's like, oh, they sometimes spell my name like Michael. Oh, oh yeah, it yeah. happens. Like very just friendly conversation and stuff like that. Where you're like, if I was that lady, I would have a hard time turning them away. I could never have that position because I would. I used to work in Publix and I worked at the check cashing thing. We had that briefly, and people would bring in their checks, and you're supposed to do this whole rigmarole if it didn't look legit, and I. Would just let them go because I, I didn't want confrontation. Why would I be allowed to do that? That's a terrible job for me. Well, also, in your circumstance, like, you're just kind-hearted. It's like, if someone's, like, can't afford their milk or their groceries or their diapers, I'm kind of the person that's just, like, I'm not gonna, like, make, I'm not gonna mm -hmm. alert anyone to that. I was that. 16. Like, like just Yeah, like, that's a little too much too responsibility. Much. And I agree. I could never have had that job either. Um, and I might have done the same thing, but this is the White House. Pretty sure her job would be to, like, verify. Right. I would have so, never applied for this job for this very reason. Know thyself. A hundred percent. Like, places Rebecca should not work, White House, top of the <laughs> list. Like, would love to visit someday. Do not want to work there. Or do not, or don't think I can work there. <laughs> so they move to the next place. They move to the next checkpoint. And the rest of of what happens is the source of heated debate and the center of a media frenzy, because here's what we know. They make it inside. While they were never on a list, their names get added to the list that's called out at the reception. So oh someone realizes they're there and probably thinks they made the mistake to not have them on the list. So it's like this arrival ceremony and all 400 guests are called out by name and it's like a procession. Like they walk. So remember the footage of them walking and they're literally waving. I mean, she looks like she's on the runway. Yeah. They got called Mr. and Mrs. Tarek Salahi. So this, I think, is what emboldened them to dig their heels into the story of sure. like, we were supposed to be there. They called our names. So they've crashed this party, yet they're officially named. They got to shake hands with the president and first lady. They take numerous photos with the chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, Vice President Joe Biden. Those pictures are a lot. Oh, the pictures are so funny. And then the fact that they bring in their camera, which it's 2009. It's just the that little digital worst camera. digital camera you've ever seen in your life. It's so rough. All the pictures in Mikhail's like this on Joe Biden. Everybody, she oh, has like yeah, a habit is. of doing that on their chest. Very... And she has a habit of doing that on the show. She greets everyone with a big hug. I love mm. you. Yeah. It's very Calls everyone love. Yeah. It's Everyone's love. Too much for me. It's a lot. And there's other celebrities. They take picture with Katie Couric, among others. They don't get seated for dinner because there's no seats for them for dinner. Like, <laughs> this is not your grandma's house. There's no, like, let's just pull out a card table. And you don't yeah. mind if there's no place card for you, do you? The more the merrier. No, they leave, I think, on their own before the meal started. Because I think they knew that that we would be, like, the, as gig, as the gig was up at that point. Mm. Now, it's hard to say when and if people would have come to realize that White House security had just been severely breached, but we know for certain that Mikhail's own Facebook post could not have helped. The digital camera you mentioned, she went home late that night, posted every single photo. Hooked it up to her computer, waited for dial-up <laughs> internet. It was a whole thing. Yeah, that was not, <laughs> these are not the days of, uh, of Instagram and Facebook when, they're, when it's working. And she writes, 
Honored to have attended the state dinner at the White House in honor of India with President Obama and our First Lady. India and the USA will challenge each other for the first time on the D.C. National Mall in June 2010 in what will be another proud and historic moment. XO, Mikhail. <laughs> I love, I love that she's putting the state dinner and their future polo match on the same level. Like, that'll be the next historic event. Nothing Obviously. in between. No. <laughs> I'm, like, getting angry at this point. I am just, like, I can't. It's it's wild. It's so wild. But all of this was because of the confidence and whatever ego narcissism or something. I think they even said that in the show. It's all because of that because there's no reason anyone else would go through all of this and would very quickly bail or never come up with this idea. No one thinks somebody would do this. So it's much easier to think you've got it wrong than people would go through this, right? It's uh, wild. It is hard to get the head around. So the White House releases these same photos, the professional versions, on November 27th, 2009, on the same day the Secret Service issues a statement. So if there's any discrepancy over whether or not this happened or was a big deal and, like, was this just a media thing? No. Right. The Secret Service says, we are deeply concerned and embarrassed by the circumstances surrounding the state dinner, end quote. So this was uh, the director, his last name was Sullivan, I'm sorry, forget his first name. His statement also pointed out that, quote, the preliminary findings of our internal investigation have determined established protocols were not followed at an initial checkpoint, verifying two individuals were on the guest list. Kind of confusing language, but he means they accidentally verified that they were on there. Like they didn't, they weren't on there. It's just kind of weirdly right. stated. The Washington Post also quoted an anonymous official as having said that, quote, the Salahis were allowed inside in violation of agency policies by an officer outside the front gate who apparently was persuaded by the couple's manner and insistence, as well as the pressure of keeping lines moving on a rainy evening. Kind of to what you were and I were talking about, like, well, like, they don't look like they're going to do anything crazy, no red flags, and yeah, we got to keep it moving. It did not take long for this to become a very, very serious conversation in Washington and around the world because yeah. this did not make us look good. So it didn't take long for this to become a very serious conversation about national security. On December 1st, 2009, exactly one week after the state dinner and the Monday after Thanksgiving, so you know a lot of people were working on the holiday, a formal investigation began starting with the Secret Service who interviewed the couple over the weekend and later met with prosecutors to decide if they should be charged. Among the charges that may be considered are trespassing and lying to a federal officer. Representative Peter King, who sits on the Homeland Security Committee, said, quote, The fact that they went through the magnetometer is incidental. They could have had anthrax on them. They could have grabbed a knife from the dining room table. I mean, that's really, I think, what this is about. If you think about it, they were so close to the world's biggest yeah. leaders. And there's more than one way to wreak havoc and you know, be a terrorist, right? We sadly all know that. So going through security and making sure they don't have a gun is one thing, but there's plenty of other things they could right. have done. So the couple goes on the Today Show with Matt Lauer claiming victimization and that their lives, personal and professional, have been destroyed. They were scheduled to be on Larry King to continue this non-apology tour, right? but they canceled at the last minute and opened themselves up to media interviews asking for high six figures. For a full tell-all. Could it get grosser? Nobody came through with an offer. They stopped speaking publicly. Publicist shows up, of course. Her name is Mahogany yep. Jones. 
And she said they would not comment formally, but issued a statement through their lawyer, Paul Gardner, non-practicing now. And he said emphatically that the Salahis did not crash this event. We look forward to setting the record straight very soon, but they would never set the record straight. In January of 2010, they were subpoenaed to appear and they were subpoenaed because they were twice requested to appear and they refused. So they were, yeah, they were subpoenaed before the committee on Homeland security. So if you remember the news footage of them sitting before the people Mm -hmm. almost looks like Senate or grand jury or court, that's the committee on Homeland security. And they were interrogated. Tarek and Mikhail repeatedly invoked their right to remain silent on advice of counsel over and over and over again. They pleaded the fifth. So it's D.C. and it's political. So naturally there is infighting. And what I have from all the reading I've done, I think what happened was nobody could agree on who to blame. Republicans wanted to blame Obama's administration and their failure within the office. The Democrats wanted to blame the Homeland Security protocol. And I think ultimately both parties, and again, I'm not a political advisor or interpreter of such events, but I think they felt like this is our fault. It's actually not theirs. Like they shouldn't have done it, but we allowed it. Like, right. And I, I have a feeling a prosecutor wasn't sure they could win because yeah, I think yeah. if they could have, they would have. Right. So I think with the right lawyer, you could probably argue that they don't have response, criminal responsibility. Yeah. So the first woman with the clipboard fired secret service director Sullivan put three employees on administrative leave. The social secretary, because of so much, she wasn't fired, but there was so much pressure on her, she resigned. And I think the Obamas loved her. And that was just an unfortunate and unnecessary thing that happened as a result. And meanwhile, everywhere they go, they're still claiming their innocence and trying to profit off this. Right. So, so frustrating. President Obama himself termed the gate crash a screw-up expressed anger that it had taken place and vowed that such incidents would never occur again. Also, this was historic because it was his first state dinner of his administration, right? He was inaugurated, he won in 2008, inaugurated January. This was the first state dinner of his administration. And he has all the regular security around him, but being the first black president, there was even heightened security around him when he was running for president. Right. So all of this swelled up, I think, in the story, making it even more dramatic than it already was. Yeah. There was a lot of criticism of the White House for a lack of transparency due to the administration's unwillingness to allow the social secretary to testify before Congress. That was one Mm. of the factors um, around her resigning. I think people really disagreed with that stance, but I think they wanted to protect her. So they were like, we're not going to make her do that. They really wanted her to. So she didn't really have to answer to the committee. Um, watching uh, Mikhail and Tarek in that with that committee felt oh. more like Veep than anything I've ever witnessed in my life. They did, right. um, yeah. When they do like their testimony episode, it's exactly like that. It was unreal, like how much they nailed it, and just watching them, it was bizarre. Well, the committee members are realizing they're not going to get answers, so they start being a little sassy. I mean, let's oh, be yeah. honest; like their questions were all valid, but they're they're tone and their can you can you answer if you're here were you there do you need to ask your lawyer I mean they were getting so hot and bothered Mm -hmm. understandably so as far as results for the Salahis uh, Tarek did resign from the Virginia Tourism Board at the request of the governor 
multiple <laughs> sponsors withdrew support from their Polo Cup event. And they lost a lot of sponsors for that big, important polo event that was coming the following summer. The most important, some would say, Historic after the state dinner. After yeah. the state dinner, yeah. I mean, this was huge in terms of peace relations. <laughs> so the fact that this was really serious doesn't mean that SNL didn't want to touch it. In keeping with SNL content from your episode last time, they did not miss a beat and featured the story December 5th, 2009 Whoa. in the premiere sketch which featured Kristen Wiig, yeah, playing Mikhail, and Bobby Moynihan as Tarek, which is oh my gosh, perfect. And of course, yeah. you have Fred Armisen playing Obama. And what's crazy is in the same episode, there is a sketch with Tiger Woods and Elin Nordegren and Rachel Yucatel makes like a a mention. What? So it's like all my episodes coming together in one SNL episode. Um, I love it. Blake Lively was the host, and she's playing Elin. In that in that sketch, but um, this was this was a good episode. Rihanna was a musical guest. It's Whoa. this was like I this was that. when I was really kind of watching it semi regularly. Yeah. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So if people haven't fully forgotten the Salahis, they've at least moved on, right. chosen to not talk about them until September two thousand eleven. The story goes from party crasher to gone girl. Mikhail tells Tarek. This is according to Tarek. That she was going to get her hair done. A running theme. Yeah. <laughs> and when she doesn't return home for several hours, Tarek gets concerned, calls the hair salon. They said she's never been there. Calls her mom. She doesn't know where she is. So, as is natural, when you, you call the police when mm-hmm. a loved one is missing, and then you call, who, do you, who would you call after the police if a loved one went missing? Probably Ghostbusters. <laughs> That's what I would do, too. But Tarek called TMZ. Oh, no. And he, he said, Mikhail is missing. Now, the story was met with a lot of eye rolling and laughter. Nobody trusted him. But of course, law enforcement has to look at it. And yeah. the FBI even got involved because if it was a kidnapping, that's who does right. that. I would like to point out that I'm only laughing because I know how it ends, not because she... Oh, you Everyone know. can laugh. Yeah, okay, don't hold your breath. Mikhail's fine. I'm going to tell you where she was. I was expecting TMZ. <laughs> TMZ. Oh, my oh, he gosh. tweeted it. Please retweet. I do remember This that. is not a joke. Yeah. It's since deleted. But, I mean, it's just, like, just, oh, I don't gosh. even have the word. I have chills. That's so good. <laughs> so, so funny. So, less than 24 hours later, law enforcement issues a statement. Uh, the sheriff's official from Warren County, Virginia, said, Mikhail Salahi told the department that she left with a friend, she's where she wants to be, and does not want her husband to know. <laughs> okay. So Tarek doubles down, saying she could be being held in distress and forced to say she's okay. Don't worry, because later that evening, a definitive conclusion to Mikhail's whereabouts come in the form of a statement from Scoop Marketing, who represent the band Journey. Now, why in the world would Journey's PR company be issuing a statement? Here's why. Quote, we can confirm that nobody kidnapped Mikhail. She and Neil Sean are together in Memphis, Tennessee for Journey's concert tonight in the Bridgestone Arena. Now, for anyone who doesn't know Neil Sean, is it Sean? I think so. Sean? It's S-H? I don't even know how you spell it. Say it with confidence. I'll Neil Sean is the guitarist of the band Journey. I'm sure everybody knows Journey. He's the guitarist. I don't know when we're going to sing Don't Start Believing. Stop believing, but I know we will. Don't, don't start believing <laughs> Don't start either. believing anything Tarek says. <laughs> there you go. Now, if that's title? not the name of the title. Yeah, that's it. 
If this seems out of left field, it is and it isn't. The band had actually known the couple for years and Neil and Mikhail had even flirted over the years with Neil saying things like, when are you going to leave your husband for me? <laughs> That's not flirting. And <laughs> that, I know that, that is the most like saying the quiet things out loud thing I've ever heard. If somebody said yeah, that, I wouldn't yeah. be like, they're flirting with me. No, they're like <laughs> asking a question. They want a proposition. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned in my research a lot about this part of the story from a great podcast from our mutual friend, Javier oh, Leva. Yeah. The Pretend Podcast, which is all about scammers and con artists. Brilliant podcast. And he does one on Tariq. The episode is called The Party Crasher. So not only were they friends and friendly with Neil, he was actually a groomsman in Tariq and Mikhail's wedding. So this is like, this is brutal. It's brutal, but there were 1,836 people there. That was like the whole eastern side of D.C. I mean, <laughs> no, it's still it's still a lot. I get it. So it seems Mikhail was just making a clean break and starting a new journey, if you will, oh, without okay. Tarek. Some say this whole kidnapping story was just a publicity stunt, but Tarek denies it to this day. However, a Washingtonian article written by Luke Mullins, and all of these articles will be sourced in the show notes. This one in particular, I really think people should read it. It's an amazing article. It's, it's so funny. Reported that there was just one big problem with this kidnapping story. When their inevitable divorce happened, he found out that, quote, according to court filings, Tarek already had two pieces of information making Mikhail's departure a whole lot less mysterious. A few hours before calling the police, Tarek received an email from the private account of Journey guitarist Neil Sean of Don't Stop Believin' fame. The message was empty but for a single attachment, a photograph of the rocker's private male parts. <laughs> Why is that the thing you send? Hold on. But wait, there's more. Tarek had also received a brief phone call that made the message even clearer. Quote, this is Neil. I am effing your wife. <laughs> I, okay, please so see this the is, attached. This, this, <laughs> please see attached for reasons there within. This is the kind of liar we're dealing with who knows okay. that that occurred and still... <laughs> calls TMZ and says his wife is kidnapped? Why wouldn't you call TMZ and say, I have a photo for you? <laughs> Idiot. Melissa, you're a genius. I he, should be Tarek's publicist. He could have actually made some money and, you know, soothed his bruised ego. Anyone that sends a <sighs> dong photo that easy breezy to him doesn't mind it being seen photo everywhere yeah yeah the dong photo around the world he was probably hoping it was seen that's probably what took instagram down today oh gosh (laughs) glad it happened before i saw it a divorce with Tarek and mikhail wouldn't be complete without a lawsuit he filed a 50 million dollar lawsuit against mikhail saying that quote his marriage was also a husband-wife business partnership his wife's decision to leave their home at 4410 Scenic Drive in September, and join Sean and Journey on a concert tour ruined several TV projects they were pursuing together. He said, this lawsuit was just settled in 2018. After six years of battles with countersuits back and forth, it has been settled for an undisclosed amount. Um, I read that Tarek is thrilled with the outcome, so he clearly was paid off. 
to sit down and shut up and leave them alone. Neil and Mikhail went on to get engaged, and they made their wedding available to watch on Please pay-per-view. Stop. <laughs> that was one of my clues. For just $14.95, you could have watched Mikhail and Neil tie the knot. No doves. Apparently, they donated proceeds to charity. I couldn't okay. verify it, but I, I think that was part of the reason. Still think they're overestimating people's interest in their wedding. Yeah. But uh, where are they now, I think is what everyone's probably wondering, right? So Tarek rents out his Virginia home as a sort of Real Housewives Girls Weekend-themed rental place. He used to do it via Airbnb, and it was, like, kind of bumping. Like, girls were going I would there. do it. Of course we would. It would be your birthday, and we would be like, let's go to McAllen Tarek's exactly. and take pictures. So it was going really well for him, but he never got a permit from the county to do Airbnb. So now he does it on these smaller home rental platforms. It's still up there on TripAdvisor and VRBO, etc. He also created a Housewives-branded line of wine called Real House Winos. He's hoping to move into craft beer, one of which might be called the Gold Digging Blonde Ale. Ooh. <laughs> which I can't believe his settlement, you know, would allow for such disparaging yeah. words, but maybe it's maybe it's just vague enough. Um, he ran unsuccessfully for governor in 2013, Congress in 2014. I mean... Can we say balls on this podcast? The balls on this man? The stones? Like, wow. I've never heard anything like it. In 2017, he planned to launch a new business, uh, really innovative, a Real Housewives-themed cruise line, but it never came to fruition. I almost wish it did, just so he could have had to... Never mind. Shut it down? 2020, yeah. (laughs) But it did give him an idea for his actual next venture, He met an investor, Lisa Spoden, and they decided that what if Airbnbs were on the water and they formed Hotels at Sea, a 50-50 venture, but then they became partners romantically. Mm. The couple had an engagement party and at their home, they served Real House Winos wine and they asked guests to rate the wine and give feedback on little cards that the like servers brought around. Mm And uh, I Googled Hotels at Sea, and there is a website. It's god-awful looking, but it does exist, and there are allegedly trips planned for 2022. If anyone has too much money and no plans, you can go on a Hotel at Sea cruise. So a Hotel at Sea isn't like somebody's boat. It's like a cruise is the idea. It's actually a cruise, or is this like a houseboat? I'm not clear on the details. It's more luxury than that. But it's the idea that it's like a private party cruise. So you're not with the thousands and thousands of people. So like a yacht, but for (laughs) the Marriott crowd? (laughs) Exactly. That's like the tagline. It's the every man's yacht, I guess. There you go. Okay. As for Mikhail, she and Neil are happily married. And you can have a peek into their uh, affectionate posts (laughs) on their joint Facebook page. Which you can find on Facebook, Neil and Mikhail Sean, Triumph of Love. And she doesn't do interviews anymore, but she did give a quote to the reporter that I mentioned, Luke Mullins, the Washingtonian article, which says, quote, I have been on tour four years now straight with Neil and haven't missed one show or moment of loving life together. Don't stop believing. Dreams do come true. I that hate the story everything about of the Salahis, Sean. 
You did a great oh job. I gosh. love that so much. That is wild, wild, wild. And oh, so things I did not know at all coming Please. into this. The biggest one is I had no idea they actually had email correspondence with anyone in the White House. That is probably yeah. the most shocking thing to me because it on the show, I watched that episode that they went to um that they went to the White House. Um like today. But anyway, I didn't realize that that was what was what had happened. And doesn't it seem like if the first person you should have your best security at the first stop because it seems like after that everyone's going to say Oh, well, they yeah. let him in, so we might be missing well, something. I mean, yeah, no disrespect to this this yeah. woman, but she was on the younger side. I just was like someone more experienced at least. But how about just six big Secret Service guys? Like, right. that doesn't seem like a bad idea to me, to have an intimidating force at the top. I understand it's like a, probably you want them to feel welcomed, but... I don't know. Yeah, I would I think going there, you would be like, this is going to be full of security. It's going yeah. to feel a little, you know, overwhelming and stuff, and you'd be up for it. Forget feeling welcomed. Feel welcomed when you're... Once you're inside, securely, a... with your name tag. Yeah. I know, and I was surprised by the email, too. It's when I got nervous and thought, oh, my gosh, am I going to find an email that's like, we'll see you at 7, Tarek. You know, here's your ticket attached. Right. There was only one attachment in this story, and it was not a ticket. <laughs> that dong da dong 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 <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. They kind of are the perfect fodder for reality TV. They're like designed to it live is. their life that way. So I remember listening to Javier's podcast with Tarek or Tarek, and I'm trying to remember. I feel like that's where I heard him say that the reason that it didn't get a second season was because of all the um, controversy, like the lawsuits and all of that going on. Am, am I right with that or – I, I think it was it just too. terrible ratings. Yeah, it was probably a combination. And I don't think it was favorable for Bravo's production company to have like even been near that. Yeah, um, that makes so sense. I'm sure it was a, a confluence of events. I don't remember exactly that part of his conversation with Javier. I just remember his blind optimism and totally still his ability to laugh and be like, but in this article that I keep mentioning talks about, you know, Hey, I mean, the stories I have now, like Letterman mentioned me, SNL mentioned me. It's like, do you, do you realize people lost their jobs? Do right. you realize that we might've for like a period of time been vulnerable to who knows what, because people's right. perception of, of our fortress around the white yeah. house. Like, I just think they're so clueless about the actual ramifications. I would have loved to have just seen a heartfelt apology from them. Like, we misinterpreted an email and thought we could come as sort of a standby. Like, I could buy that. And I oh, think yeah. there'd be a lot more forgiveness. But this just doubling down. I hate we it We have, so like, much. four different invitations in various media forums. Like, it's just, it's maddening. So, yeah. Yeah, if I never hear or see Tarek again, it'll be too soon. I'm like done with Tarek. Yeah, I don't blame you. But great job. I loved it. This was a lot of fun. I oh, good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yay. Thank you for, for being on that journey with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what have you been watching other than Real Housewives of DC? Sorry for that. And thank you for taking one for the team. Yes, I just bought one episode to watch. I did not oh. want to do the whole season. And that was plenty for me. So yeah. I will give you my three clues. Let me pull it up on my phone real quick. My clues are 
Australia, Michael, and Netflix. Okay, this feels like I could get it. I want you to get this. Australia, Michael, Netflix. You have heard of it, and I've talked to you about it. Okay. This is my push to make you watch it. Oh. Do you want me to give you one more clue? Mm hmm. Um, Autism. Oh, love on the spectrum. Yes, love on the spectrum. I mean, you gave me like the dead ringer. I gave you basically one of the words. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, Oh my gosh. Wait, is the whole thing in Australia or just this particular story? No, or um I think it's it's uh done as a different show title in Australia and then they bought it for Netflix. Oh. So they've had two seasons. It is amazing. It's um a show about couples and yeah. or or one person on the spectrum meeting another person. There's a dating coach that talks to these people that are on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. and kind of coaches them through what a date looks like because well, a lot of them are in their 20s, that. 30s. I know. <laughs> it is so amazing though, Rebecca, when you see um see these people these individuals with autism um just Sitting down to meet each other and the things that matter, like that you and I know matter, they get to that so much quicker. It's just so sweet and innocent and wonderful and all the good things in the world. And you know I'm not an all the good things in the world watch TV kind of person. <laughs> yeah. It pulls at your heartstrings, makes you so happy. Just there's one guy on there named Ronan. He is a ginger. And I can say that because I have a ginger husband and um, and child. And uh He's so sweet and meets this girl named Katie, and he and Katie just Katie, are you enjoying our day? Oh, Ronan, it's beautiful. And I'm not mocking voices at all. It's yeah, just like no, the no, sweetest, no. most pure. innocent, totally pure. They go do – he asks her if she wants to dance, Rebecca, and – I my whole brain could explode. There is somebody playing violin and they stand up and they dance, but they're not dancing together. They're both just dancing, like just the sweetest, most separately innocent thing. together. Oh, just yeah. my heart could explode. So my son has autism, so I um, so it's something that I knew would be near and dear to my heart. But I refused to watch it for a while because I thought it's going to break my heart. I'm not going to be able to enjoy it. It will bring you so much happiness if you know someone on the spectrum. If you don't, it's just all the good, good, good parts of the world um, in this one thing. And Michael is the funniest person you'll ever see on anything ever. I just – he he's everything. There's If you've watched the show, you know who Michael is. He's just hilarious and funny. And last thing I'll say about it, one of my favorite things is when they decide they don't want to date somebody, they decide it's not a good match. They will be so upfront and so honest because that's all they know how to be. Right. And my goodness, if, if I could do that in my life, how much more incredible would it be? Just to be like, I want to be your friend, but I don't like you in that way. And the other person's like, okay. And that's right. it. It's over. Right. Oh, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's so sweet. And the families on there are so supportive. And I know it's not everyone's journey with autism, but it makes me very hopeful and happy. I can imagine. And- I love it so much. So if you haven't watched it, especially if you have a kid on the spectrum and you're kind of nervous, because I, I had another friend, same thing. She didn't want to watch it. And then watching it, it's just, oh, it's just the best feeling. I, I love it so much. I love your endorsement. And I, like, it resonates. I I promise I This was how it. I was going to get you to watch it, to force <laughs> you through this and to have people 
beat it into you from the internet and you've got make witnesses. Rebecca watch it. Yes, yeah. I got it. No, I'm not resistant at all. It's just, you know how things go. Oh, when totally. You, like, mean to watch something and then suddenly you're not And it's watching. a totally different kind of show. Yes. So you have to really like, okay, I'm ready to do it. And it's not like crying all the time or anything. I have moments I've cried in that show. Yeah. But it's, it's such happy moments. Oh, it's my just gosh. It's showing all the positive. And it's not all positive, but it's showing just... I don't know. Just there's so much support and love and it's beautiful and that's so I'll important. Shut up. I'm so glad it. that they're creating me too. Stories like that for people to see. It reminds me, I don't remember if I told you this. I'm sure I did. In Amy Schumer's documentary, her husband gets diagnosed with I, don't I know if it's Asperger's or yeah, just autism at large. I don't I know think if it's they now use just Asperger's. Called, yeah, it's just called yeah. autism now, being on the spectrum. I loved that they included that in her doc. And I just thought, I just, I, I loved that storyline. So I'm sure I will love this as well. But yeah. I thought what a great service they did by sharing that with people. Cause he's in his forties, such a late diagnosis. It was incredible. Um, it was. And just how Amy loves and adores him mm-hmm. and also was like, you got to get checked. Like, yeah. Like we're going no, to a it specialist. Was totally. And it, and it looked at more, I think now in this, it's not so much savants. You hear about savants all the time. Oh my goodness, this person's great at Rubik's Cube. And that can happen. But sometimes yeah. it's a kid literally wanting to listen to Rick Astley for no reason all the time. And you just do it because that's right. what, you know, their brain is is wanting to do. I don't get it, but okay. But you love them through, you know, different things, just like you do with every kid. But anyway, it's it's just so they even go through like the things this person likes before each date. Like um, this person likes the smell of cut grass. This person hates when people uh, blow bubbles. Just, you know, whatever. Like, and you're about like, the other oh, person yeah. they're about to date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of oh like their gosh. intro cards are kind of like Yeah, that. yeah. It's just sweet. I didn't mean to go on that long about it, but no, I, I hope people will watch it. it. It's incredible. Yeah, no, you've you've done it justice. And I'm just, Finally. I'm really glad that there's, it's like being normalized too. Like, Absolutely. And showing later parts of the journey like there's a lot totally. about kids and autism exactly and it's just so important to see adult success and stories. seeing them say we don't want to be by ourselves like we right you get that feeling of isolation but they're like no I want a person right, right. and hearing them say it is I don't know it just does great yeah. things for you it's it's amazing okay well mine's real different Let's, <laughs> Leslie hear yours <laughs> well this is very abnormal for me so yeah and so is what I'm gonna say so oh. in that sense we're on the same page Okay, so I've definitely had a week or two of not watching a ton of TV. I've been listening to a ton of podcasts, which is mm-hmm. like a reverse. Right. Because I kind of went through like a, I can't listen to any more podcasts phase. Yep, I've done this. But then I time. had to for some work stuff. So, so I watched a movie, which is... Unreal. I, I know, right? Like who's got, who's got 98 minutes or whatever. To, <laughs> I have. Like, I can watch seven episodes of something, but the exactly. idea of committing two hours and two minutes to one story i'm like way too much me? you think you're that compelling here is this <laughs> um but i was just i don't i don't even know why i won't give you any preamble i just stumbled okay. upon this show and or no this movie, movie. and and riveted i mean i watched it okay. on my phone whoa <laughs> like this in is bed dedication. on my side okay too much visual well the clues two of the clues are that it's a movie not a tv show okay it's netflix okay and I'm going to give you the star because I think it's newish and you, you might not have seen it yet. Jake Gyllenhaal. 
I don't know what it is, but it was on my top 10 Netflix something. What is it? Probably new. Yeah. Or just in or something. Released or whatever. Yeah. It's called The Guilty. Okay. And I literally didn't know anything about it other than Jake Gyllenhaal had on a tight black polo. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) that's all you need. (laughs) I haven't seen him in a while, but he's doing well, it appears. And um, it just said The Guilty. And I don't know. I just clicked play and I could not put it down. I stayed up to like one in the morning. So it's, I found out later an adaptation from a Swedish film uh, into English, but it all takes place in one room. He is a, I don't want to give it away, but he's a um, 911. Well, he's not. So he is working as a 911 dispatch operator, but he's a law enforcement officer. He's a detective. Okay. And through the course of the film, you figure out he's doing this because he's on kind of a probation type thing. Okay. Something kind of bad happened and it's being uh, investigated. investigated. And he ends up in this serious high stakes phone call with a woman in a really dire situation. And I don't want to give any more away, but it is like, you know, pressure and um, what's the word? Suspense and all uh-huh. the stuff is up here. I'm reaching Ooh. out. Yeah. It was like, and then there's a complete plot twist Everything we thought was, wasn't, is, isn't. And um, he's great in it. And there's only, there's not even any other actors. It's all voice. Really? I'm just now realizing that. There's like a few other people you see in the office, like on the phones. But it's literally him and then the voices of the people on the phone. And I have a feeling they made it, they maybe redid this during COVID just because it was like, sure, what a great idea. And it's just such a great story, regardless of limitations for yeah. shooting. But um, oh, so good. Highly really? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Might be a good one to watch. Like, I don't know what kind of movies you and your husband like, but I, I kind of felt bad. I was like, oh, my husband would have oh, liked yeah. this. Um, <laughs> You're like, shh, shh <laughs> I'm watching something over here. <laughs> I know. He's the one who told me. He's like, oh, I think that's an adaptation of the, the Swedish version. I was like, I know. <laughs> Already figured that out. Shh. Oh, that's Jake's cool. talking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was really good. Oh, nice. That reminds me real, real quick, because I know yeah. we've gone long today, but um, the episode, we, you and I have kind of texted about the episode of Only Murders in the Building. That was our big recommendation a few weeks ago. If you haven't been watching, oh my gosh, come back to us. Oh my gosh, you were right. I mean, it's it's haunting. So, oh good, tomorrow night's the new episode. Yes, I'm it so is- excited. Unlike anything I've seen on TV in a very long time, right? It will stay with you. It's beautiful. It's yeah. It's also kind of to what we were talking about with love on the spectrum of an alternate point of view. Yep. Kind of mainstreaming it and like yeah. bringing it to the forefront. I won't say more, but no. um. Oh, so so good. So good. So if you haven't watched it, please catch up with that because it's incredible, and I want to be yeah. able to post on social media about it because it was so so good. So good. Everyone's also talking about the way down. Everyone literally is men- messaging me. It's the HBO. I think. Oh yeah, Teigen I saw that. I finished it. it. Mm-hmm. She's a Christian diet cult leader. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, sign me up. With this uh, hair. so that's that's <laughs> yes, the hair. I mean, I am one to talk about hair tonight, but um, no. what I really want to know is what we're going to talk about in two weeks. Okay, so I'm committed to this now because I put it in my phone and I started Googling. I hope I have enough information. Yeah, (laughs) I'm recording. That's the most important detail. Here are my uh, clues. Surprise. Wait, I'll just say it like this. Surprise. (laughs) Dr. Pepper. 
and bar. Oh my gosh. I know. I don't think you're going to get this one. But I, I do don't think, ever get it. So, But I do course, think people that have watched this show will get it. So I haven't watched the show. Mm-mm, I don't think so. I feel like we've talked about it. If you have, I'm very surprised. But think outside the box a little bit. A little bit. What each one of these words could mean. One of the words doesn't mean what you think it means. But you bar? know it if you know it. Bar? Is it the legal no, bar? bar is actually a bar. No, a no, bar no. bar for drinks? Yeah. Okay. Dr. Pepper is what Dr. Pepper is. No. Well, one of the rappers in Tribe Called Quest's nickname is Dr. Pepper. No. I, I'm sorry. I did no. not reach that. <laughs> <laughs> but now other people um, will know. So there's a lyric. It's like, I drink a lot of soda, so they call me Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Yes, so I'm no, doing a behind-the-music story of that. <laughs> Wait, what um, was the other clue? <laughs> um, surprise. Oh, surprise. So that's not what it means? No, that's what it means. You've already figured oh, out there's so only Dr. one. Oh, so Dr. Pepper is not... Okay, so it's a so person. So now everybody has that. Now you so know. So it's a person. Surprise, Dr. Pepper, and bar. Okay, yeah. I sometimes just feel like... I don't know. Never mind. Just in the guessing of clues. It's not my forte. It's it's not where I shine. It's no, you shine everywhere. You shine no, bright like no, a diamond, like Rihanna. No, nope. Just let it let it be. It's okay. It is what it is. Well, I think just, I also give confusing clues, so it's not no, other it's people not. get them. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> other people get them. So I'm just gonna come up with a segment where I shine. Okay, it's do it. Gonna be about '90s hip hop uh, soda aficionado. <laughs> it's a small, it's a small topic, a small possibly genre. One, <laughs> possibly one segment. I guess I've already covered yeah. it. Um, all right. Well, I really do look forward to that story. It sounds interesting. Um, I used to love Dr Pepper. The yeah. Beverage. It's too sweet for me now. All right. Okay. Well. Cool. Well, this was great. Yes. Everyone have a great two weeks. If you haven't, please review the show. We love that. That's very wonderful. Helps people find it. If you see one of those lists that says, what podcast should I listen to? It looks kind of gross if we recommend ourselves, <laughs> but like we're thinking it the whole time we see those Yeah. Lists. Do it for us, please. Do it for us. And we'll be like, oh, wow. Surprise. Thank you so much. Can't believe you mentioned us like everybody at the Emmys. So um, yeah, those are good things. Rebecca, you have new episodes every Wednesday on Dialogue Podcast. All I sure about do. Culty cults. Yeah, Cult Adjacent. We're going to be in that for another couple weeks. And um, you've got new episodes, Moms and Murder, every Tuesday. So every we've got, Tuesday. you know, a lot of content for you guys throughout the week. We do. So don't abandon us for like love on the spectrum. Watch it, but also remember Come us. Back. Yes. Remember us. <laughs> Farewell. <laughs> Farewell. See you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye.